here's the thing, Barker. I was on a uh, podcast, walk-off podcast yesterday, another Jay's podcast. And the uh, host asked me what I thought the record would be for these next 16 games for the Jays, all of which are against the Red Sox starting tonight, the Astros and the Yankees. And I think I said, like, I mean, 10 and 6 would be really good. 12 and 4 would be optimum, but that ain't happened. 10 and 6 would be really good. And then I realized I should have said, I don't think it is possible to even begin to predict where the Jays, what the Jays' record will be over these next 16 games until we see what you say Kikuchi gives them tonight. If you say Kikuchi craps the bed, then I think, you know, you're looking at, you're hoping to go maybe one game over 500 in this this 16-game swing. Yeah, no one game where we can't go 9-7 in this 16-game swing maybe. Uh, eight and eight. Um, we need to, we, we saw more velocity from Issei Kikuchi in his last start. This is an extra day's rest that he's working on. Uh, this to me is as much as, Kevin, as we realize that pitchers are behind where they would normally be because of spring training, I got to see something tonight from Yusei Kikuchi. Like, not two and two-thirds with good velo, not three and a-thirds with good velo and a lead. I need to see something closer to five innings from this guy tonight. And if we get that, then I think you can look at these 16 games and say, okay, there's a chance that this team can make a little bit of hay here because the Yankees aren't playing well right now. Um, Houston's Houston. They're very good in Boston. I, I, Boston, to me, is just another team. But we need to see how Yusei Kikuchi does tonight. Yeah, I might be, <clears throat> might be asking a lot to, to you know, put a number on what you're looking from him. Uh, so I just I r- ran back and tried to look up some stats of him with, with six full days of rest. You know what the numbers are? Uh, do I want to know? No. Oh. Uh, 24 starts, 122 innings pitched. He has a whip of over 1,400. He's given up 27 home runs in 122 innings. His ERA is almost six. Oh. So to think that, you know, we're going to come That's out here. That's suboptimal, Kevin. Yeah, it's not great. So to think that you're going to come in here, and, and even with the new changes, the moving on the rubber, the more aggressive uh, attitude, the 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 uh, you know, more, I don't know, aggressive finish that he's trying to have, you know, the <clears> – <throat> I want to give it to you at the very end. Come on. At the very end of the, at the whatever that thing he is, he goes through. And, you know, I, I just, I just don't know if we can put a number on him. I, for me, I'm going to flip it on the other end. I think it's time to, for the offense to show up. We, we've seen enough of the, the, the messing around and the chasing and the, and the excuses that, you know, the spring training and they're trying to play catch up and they haven't faced this guy. The honest truth about it is you face two bad teams. And you came away. I, I know it was above five hundred. For me, it should have been closer to eight and two, seven to three. You're talking about winning World Series, and this is what really good teams do, no matter what part of the season is. And we know. So you're basically saying every, every you're basically saying every team in the American League East should be worried right now. Every team in the American League because East is not saying that they're going to carry trophies across. Fields. Yeah, they are. Well, they're not saying well, the Rays it. are. The Rays never say well, that. Well, the Yankees are. The Rays are. never say the that. The Dodgers are. have said that. The Yankees are. They don't come out. They don't come out and say that. The That's Yankees the way are. it is since. The Yankees were invented. I, I, it's no different. I, I don't think I'm, six I'm, and four, eight and two at this point doesn't make a that's a, de- make a, that's a, make decent, a damn bit of difference. That's a decent record for for 
what they have and what kind of lineup they have, even with no Teoscar, even with no hot Danny Danny Jansen. I just I think the bats need to get a little better. I think you're going into Boston. You got a guy on the mound that you have no idea what you're going to get from. Do you have any idea what you're going to get from? Not a, you not hope, a chance. You, you hope that you know he he right out the gates giving you the best heater. He's not shaking off as much as he did in his last start. You hope all of those things happen, but do you feel confident in it? Probably not. And I think it's just one of those times where. You know, you you bow up a little bit. You say, we got a pretty good offense. Now it's time for us to, you know, start doing the things that we're supposed to be doing that we all think we can do. Pass the baton when it comes to having quality at bats. They have quality at bats over and over again. Is, They're going to score a lot of runs. Fenway Park, a good place to go when your offense is not um, performing up to scratch. I'm, I mean, I leave aside. Now, look, okay, the starting pitching is Nate Uvalde, Nick Pavetta, Tanner Houck. I don't care where you're going. That's you. There are probably three. You you'd probably pick three other starting pitchers if you had your druthers uh, <laughs> than those three. I get it, but you know everybody talks about Fenway Park, the Green Monster, Pesky Pole, and all all that. Is it a good place to go for a scuffling offensive team? Well, you think you think Nathan Avaldi throws a bazillion miles an hour. You think if you're a little late, right center in Fenway Park's huge. Like you're going to have to really think line drive, staying on top of the baseball. You know, it takes some cheating, some right guessing to get the head out and use that short porch in left field. You know, unless Evaldi f- falls in love with a secondary pitch and he spins you one and you can, you know, have barrel out in front of the front knee and create backspin that way. You just don't count on a bunch of right-handed hitters doing that. Now, if you're left-handed, yeah, that's a great place to go. Mm. Like, you are you know, you can, you can miss hit balls. You can be late. You can have things happening, you know, behind – in the big part of your body and still be able to barrel that up and, and not have to hit it so it's hard. It's one of the few places you can accident you you can really accidentally hit a home run there. Yeah. Can't you? I you, mean even you, you know sure Yankee can. Stadium is short. I get that. But but Fenway with the pesky pole, you can accidentally hit a home when run. When you're slumping, you don't have to bunt there. If you're the home team and you <laughs> play right. there all the time, That's right. you don't have to bunt there. You you can use that to your advantage. You can let the ball travel more. You don't have to hit the ball as hard. Get it in the air a little bit. The wind's blowing that way most of the time. You know, that that's so close to the hitter that they think, you know, you know, just puts you in a better mindset that now I don't have to to be so fine, so perfect, and I can use that to my advantage. That's why, you know, we we've said this till we're blue in the face about the the balance of the lineup for the Blue Jays. When you got lefty righty, lefty righty, lefty righty, that would make it a little easier for the lefties to use that. And then the pitcher on the other side is trying to be a little bit more fine, leave a ball down the middle to a righty. That's when you start seeing a ton of damage. So it's just, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the, all the righties that the Blue Jays have. How do they use that? Are they too aggressive? Uh, you know, do they do they guess early in counts? Are they trying to go outside the box and maybe pull the ball? Now, obviously, they've seen a volley, which is going to help. But for whatever reason, this team, especially the young guys, have tendencies that they – I don't want to – maybe guessing too much is, is a little too strong. But they, they just don't, you know, trust C-ball, hit ball. They don't trust mechanics. They don't trust if I see it out of the hand, I'm in an athletic position because I'm so good at hitting, the ball's going to go where I want it to go. I don't think they do that. So they know this guy. That's going to help. They know the next three guys that they're going to face. That'll help. It's just, you know, because guys have been struggling. We mentioned Vladdy, two for 15, seven punches. Mm-hmm. That's struggling for a guy of his caliber. So maybe this is a good time for him to go into that, you know, and where he's, you know, he can be out in front. He can be a little handsy. He can have the fanny out like he does sometimes when he struggles and still because he's so strong and his bat's so quick and he buggy whips it at the end so much that he can use that 
short porch and left. But I, I'm I'm on the other side about the Kikuchi thing. I I just have no idea. What do you think explains? Because we do see this with pitchers. What do you think explains the fact that a pitcher can be so bad with an extra day's rest? I understand there'd be feel and guys overthrowing and all that, but wouldn't you would just think that an extra day's rest, especially for a, a guy who's been around, I, I could see if it's a young guy and you come out and you're even more amped up and you're all over the place, but a veteran guy, wouldn't an extra day's rest, you, you would just think it would make you better. You would just think it would make you better. Yeah, I think it, a lot of it is determined on what kind of pitcher they are. Are they a power pitcher? Are they a finesse guy? Are they a location it hurts, guy? Do you think it hurts power pitchers more uh, the extra day, or I, do you think I, it hurts would, finesse pitchers more? I would think finesse guys a little bit more touch and feel. You know, they need to feel that quicker. They need to feel it. I, I think it helps them a little bit more than it does a a power guy. Look, I, I think if you have power, you have power. Like it's, you know, now it's more about location. And with you say, that's – because that's the guy throwing is for me, it's about how do you locate into the righties and how is your secondary, the late movement on it. And if you don't abuse them, that that's the whole thing is he's in love with one of his pitches. And we think that's the cutter because he Mm -hmm. shakes to it all the time. Right. How do you not be in love with that thing? And because when that's not good and it's not cutting and it doesn't have late bite to it and he's not locating it, you know, where he wants to start it and have it end up where he wants it to end up. It's a BP heater. And that gets hammered, and especially you're going to Fenway with that little thing in left field. So I, you know, I think it's a mindset. I think it disrupts routines, which is giant. We laugh and think that's funny, you know, a normal fan who just don't understand routines for for baseball players. It's a big deal. Like it's they have these days structured. They have them planned out what they do on this day, what they do on that day, which day they take off. And when you add an extra day, now what do you do? Do you have mm-hmm. two days off? Do you go work out an extra day? Do you run some more? Do you long toss more? They have no idea. So they're trying to, to learn this on the fly, and that gets in between the years. And we know as athletes, the more you think, the worse off you are. Look, again, these are those numbers don't lie. That's a big sample size of 24 starts. you got a whip over 1,400. That's big-time numbers. So obviously there's something in there, but I do know there's it's a different mindset now for him. It's a whole different... He, he's doing something different, moved on all the rubber. We've talked about this already. So maybe you can throw those out. Maybe he hasn't, you know, those numbers don't apply to what he is now and who he is and the mindset that he has now. For me, the one thing I'm going to be looking at is how much he shakes off. If you don't see a lot of that, it means he's got confidence in something. Mechanics, release point, location, finish. He's not worrying about the short porch, all those things. If he's not shaking a ton, if you're tuning into tonight's game, look at that. If he doesn't do this a ton and he's just getting it and going, and you're like, I'm agreeing with that. I'm, I like that. Then I think it'll be, it'll be decent. And they have to score first. Score first, take a little pressure off of him where he doesn't have to be as fine, where he can attack. Aim big. Stop trying to be so tiny with everything. If he aims big because he has good stuff, he won't walk as many pe- pe- people. He won't go deeper in counts. That means he'll go a little bit deeper in the game, which will keep the guys out, out of the bullpen that you don't want to see in – Fenway Park. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet 360, as well as wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, We'll be on Blue Jays Talk tonight following the conclusion of the Jays-Red Sox game, the first of of three games between the Jays and Red Sox. Shai Davidi joins us in a few minutes. He is, of course, Sportsnet's MLB insider, Mo Vaughn, Red Sox analyst. 
will be along at 11. Brad Lidge, MLB Network radio host, former MLB closer, will join us at 11.30. So the Boston Red Sox are dealing with some sort of of COVID-related issues. Yesterday, their catcher, Kevin Ploiecki, uh, was placed on the COVID-19 list. Now, the COVID-19 injured list, because he is double-vaxxed, Ploiecki can go back onto the roster today if he passes COVID tests. Otherwise, there, there's a 10-day waiting period. But because he is double-vaxxed, um, he will be tested. So there is a chance that uh, he is back in action during this series, at least. However, the Red Sox, after yesterday's game, uh, they called up Connor Wong for yesterday's game against the Twins, which they lost. Then they promoted Roberto Hernandez. They're catching, I'm sorry, Ronaldo Hernandez, their catching prospect. And he is, he is expected to join the team before tonight's game against the Blue Jays. Now, n- no one really knows why that has happened. The Red Sox haven't said why. We know that in addition to Ploiecki, two staff members tested positive for COVID-19. No indication those are coaches. Staff members can be anybody. They can be support staff. They can be front office staff. But, Kevin, this is an issue the Red Sox will deal with now. When they come to Canada, they will have to deal with border restrictions. We already know that Tanner Houck will not be pitching in Canada, uh, in, in Canada as a result of this. So it's just a reminder that for Major League Baseball, at least, uh, COVID-19 is not entirely, it's not entirely in the, in the rearview rear mirror. I think most teams in the United States assumed it would be a quote-unquote issue coming into Canada. The Red Sox finding it as being an issue in Boston is probably a little disconcerting for them. I think they were prepared for something to happen coming to Canada because the fact of the matter is not all of their players are vaxxed. But it's just a reminder of what you know, that this thing is, is still out there and the impact it can have on yeah, rosters. Well, it was, it, it, and look it, at the it, Oakland Athletics. It, they had to put six players in the COVID IL. Yeah, it tests the depth of your organization quickly. And guys that you probably didn't want to call up yeah. this quickly, like the the catching prospect, That's that that's it's interesting to see how, how these teams go about, you know, just when you have a prospect who you want to play every single day, Right, and you want to do that at the minor league level. Well, now you're you're having to adjust and call guys up sooner or quicker than you want to. How does that affect the player? Yeah, and and, and of course, and the thing is, we don't we don't have a list of vaccinated or unvaccinated players. Essentially, all you are going on is what you know players themselves may have said, what teams may have said off the record. We know, for example, that there were. A number of Red Sox players, including Xander Bogarts and Christian Vasquez, who were not vaccinated as of spring training, or at least were not double vaxxed as of spring training, they said they were going to do it. Of course, ultimately, we won't know until the Red Sox have to set their roster before the trip to Canada. Just as when, when the A's set their, their roster for the trip to Canada, we found out that Kirby Sneed, who pitched with the Jays last year... Mm-hmm was not double vaxxed because he had to go on the, the restricted list. So we won't know these things until we actually see, uh, until we actually see the lineups that are submitted when the teams come up to Canada. But in the meantime, right now, of course, this week, the Jays are in Boston and then, and then they go on to Houston. What should be, you, you, you talked about the, the Jays offense scuffling a bit. Nate Uvalde, we know he's going to bring that upper level velo. We also know that most of the Jays pitchers, or I'm sorry, most of the Jays hitters have seen Nathan Uvalde before. Um, I wanted to ask you this. 
when you have a lot of first-hand knowledge of a pitcher, all right, so you've seen Nathan Uvalde an awful lot. How does his effectiveness on a particular day impact how you approach him? In other words, I may have faced Nathan Uvalde 20 times. Let's say I'm hitting 200 against him. I have an idea of what he likes to do to exploit me. I have an idea of what I can exploit in his game. Now we go into a game, and Nathan Uvalde may not be at peak Nathan Uvalde. I Mm -hmm. may be getting a guy who's in his second start of the year. How does a hitter go about taking the knowledge he has, all the knowledge, firsthand knowledge, video knowledge, everything about how a guy has faced him, and then change it? once he sees what the guy is like right now. You know, in other words, how much does history, you're standing at the plate, how much does your history against a guy weigh in to what you do? How much does what you're seeing tonight weigh in to what you do? Do you, is it, is you basically need to take the first at bat and see see what the guy's going to do? Yeah, maybe. I, I think for me, anyway, it's, it's <laughs> you remember the times that he got you out. How did he do that? Don't don't remember the times that that you did well off him. You remember the times that how he got you out. Was it in? You know it's hard. Yeah, because ultimately you want to make good contact off him. Everything, right? everything against him's hard. Right. Everything that he throws is really hard. You know that going forward that you have to be, you know, start your swing, start your approach a little bit sooner, so you're in that athletic position because you know when it when he releases, it's going to get on you in a hurry. Is he get? Is he trying to get you out in? Is he trying to get you out up? Is he trying to get you out away? That I think being familiar with him, forget about how he did in his first start. You've had a, they've had a big enough sample size against him mm-hmm. that they sort of he now he's not tricking them. Like he knows they know him. Now it's about him executing and locating. That's what it's more important about. And it's up to the hitter to take his best pitch early in the count if he throws. 99 miles an hour on the black down on the way. Why would I swing at that? Like, I know they're a very, very aggressive team. This is my point is, now it's time for us to start seeing, because they are familiar with him. It's time for us to start seeing the little step forward now. Like, them taking that good pitch because they're not afraid to go fall behind mm-hmm. to give him a chance to mess up. That's the point. Use the, the only way you're going to use that to your advantage, he understands what that is. He understands how good a hitters they are. He's trying to pitch away from that and also pitch to their weakness and also stay with his strength. It's a lot going on there. But if you can lay off of that really good pitcher's pitch and hopefully that he's not going to be able to throw you three in a row to where you have to tip your hat, he's going to sooner or later hang you something. Sooner or later throw you one down the middle. He's not a perfect pitcher. We've mm-hmm. seen it. He messes up. But it's those early encounters because I know him. I know how it looks. I know the life on the heater. I know how late the break looks on the breaking ball. I know all of those things. I know with two strikes what he wants to throw me. There's a big enough sample size that I get it. Now it's just me going up and executing what I want to do. So it's more important for a hitter, in your opinion at least, it's more important for a hitter to understand how a pitcher has retired him in the past as opposed to what that hitter did to be successful. Yeah, the, pitcher. the pitcher's not going to go in and go, oh, look, he 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 hit a 3-1 hanging slider. So I'm going to throw a three-run hanging slider. Absolutely. That makes sense. So, okay. so I'm going to yeah. go and I'm going to look at how I got him out. Did, right. Is he going to get himself out? Can I go in off the plate enough early in counts that maybe a Vladdy will swing at something, jam himself, hit a 17-hopper to third baseman? If I can do that, I'm going to throw it in there till he tells shows me 
that he's not going to do that anymore. And that's what I said. We've seen that early on from the Blue Jays. They guess the hitters that matter on this team, they guess some. They guess because they don't know the guy. Will there be less guessing? I hope so. Because this is what you have to do, especially against guys that throw this hard. Yeah. It's just hard to, to guess along with him. Now you know what you're getting. It's It's hard. I thought it was it, it was kind of a bad combination this weekend for the Blue Jays having a bunch of hitters or a bunch of pitchers they hadn't seen before and then having odd strike zones, shall we say? Like that that I'm not making excuses for them. Doesn't help, but that that combination probably doesn't help, right? Pitchers you haven't seen before, guys with not not a huge track record necessarily, and then strike zones that are, shall we say, inconsistent. That's nice. I mean that that would tend to lead one to chase, would it not? Put you in doubt. When you're in doubt as a hitter and you don't feel confident in what you did off the field can translate because of who's calling balls and strikes behind the play. Yeah, it's a big deal. Changes the old hold it bat. Shai Davidi will join us in a few minutes. He had an interview with with Ross Stripling, who uh, will now take on an extended role with Hyunjin Ryu out as a result of forearm discomfort. And... This was a, we'll talk to Shy about this quote, but this was something that our producer Mark Boffo picked out from Shy's article. I found it uh, tells you something about Ross Stripling. I view it as there's going to be 100 to 150 innings that need to be filled, and I'm the perfect guy for that job. Uh, seeing Ross Stripling put it that way is a reminder, isn't it, of even though you may have spent a lot of your offseason focusing on on pitching and addressing issues, it's a reminder that in any given year, for the most part, you're still going to have a couple of hundred innings that need to be starters innings that need to be filled over the course of the year. I, I just found it found it interesting that to, to see it put in that that stark a a, a frame of reference. I, I see that as a player knowing that he doesn't bring a whole lot of value coming out of the bullpen. He just doesn't. Like long relief, is, it's hard to stay in the big leagues and, and consistently be good enough. you got to have a one really good pitch. Does Ross have that? Like he he the breaking ball, I guess no. he doesn't throw a ton of them. No, he's a better he's a better of he's a better starting he, pitcher coming yeah. in with a clean slate and and he can, he can be a fifth or sixth guy in a rotation depending yeah. on where it's at. And this, I think, just listening to those words when you said them out loud is a guy that understands that. He says there's a golden opportunity here where you know for me to stay in the big leagues and have a long career that I want to have, I'm going to have to be able to show these teams, just not the Blue Jays. That whenever something happens, that I can jump in there and the breaking ball's good, the changeup's good, the fastball is not on the plate. Like, it's got to be on the corners. We've noticed that, right? He's taking care of the tipping. That's no longer, you know, the above the hat, above the bill mm-hmm. of the hat, all those things that he went through. He's no longer doing it in minor league parks. So that's, I think, what he's kind of saying, there's no more excuses. It's now for me time to go out and give them a chance to win. And, I, you know... I, I like Ross. I, I, I root for him because, I, you know, he's done – if you've noticed, he will do anything it takes to get help this team win. Yeah, he's become a really – he's become a really uh, useful member of the pitching staff because you do need somebody I – mean, I hate to say it. You do need somebody who is a Swiss Army knife and is just kind of prepared to take, to take, take the punches to the body. Right? I mean, you just need that guy. But you also, if you're a pitching coach and a manager, you don't want to dread putting him in the game. No, you want to, but you, you want to know that the guy is going to is going to compete. And the thing with Ross Stripling is, you kind of know what you're going to get. And the other thing with Ross Stripling is, you know early whether or not he's got it. 
Yeah, maybe. I, I think the tipping, he's not doing that anymore. That will help a lot. That was a huge deal where he was giving up the fastball and you know, all the home runs the two, he gave up on the fastball. The two-seamer is a nice wrinkle. It's something that... Uh, yeah, I don't abuse that. Like, I know he likes throwing out to righties. Look, look. Listen, what do you mean don't, don't abuse it? Because that's an extra thing that can go wrong. Again, the cutter, cutter or two-seamer is tricky when you don't throw a bazillion miles an hour. Like, like Alec Manoa can do that because it's sneaky. He's a crossfire guy, and the ball just jumps all over somebody, and his misses are really good with it. Like, it's rare that you see Alec throw one down the middle, right. and it don't sink. Or it, ain't, it ain't two-seaming. You know, the sinker is that. The, the, or the sinker's that. The two-seamer is this. Mm-hmm. Ross is trying to throw this. If this ain't doing this, <laughs> and it's this, it's 88. Yeah. I could hit 88. So you got to be careful when you use it, how much you use it. Don't fall in any, any too many sequences. Be unpredictable. There's a lot going on in there. And, you know, if he doesn't overthink it, the fastball command is better. And he can sprinkle in all the secondary pitches he has. The changeup has – it's a nice variance now between the heater because of the location of the heater and the how much sink he's got on his changeup. That's good. I like that. And the big giant breaking ball, if he can throw it oh oh, he can use it getting back into counts like a one oh, like a 2-1. That's being unpredictable. He can do those. He ain't going to give you six or seven. He might do it against a bad mm-hmm. hitting team. American League East, if he gives you four and two-thirds, five and, two and a thirds. third, you're good with that. Five, you're all right with that. Five and a third, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Five and a third, you're doing hand sprints well, you're doing if you're that. Charlie you're Montoya. Like, you like that. So it's, Especially against a team like the Red Sox. But that puts pressure on all your other guys. Yeah. To, and he's going to be making, you know, if you look at the sked, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be making starts against Boston, Houston. I don't know if he'll miss Boston coming back here, but probably Boston, Houston, Yankees, right? Oh. What's today? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So, he'll, he'll, yeah. Well, I mean, it, he's it, going to get a run again. Oh, I know this is not fair, but this puts a ton of pressure on the, the best part of your game, which is their offense. Yes. That it's time. It's time for me. You've got to, you've got to take pressure off take Charlie, pressure take off. pressure off. They're going to mess up. Petey and Charlie are going to mess up and bring out the wrong guy. It's going to happen. Like, it's a long season. It's a yeah. marathon. They're going to sooner or later do that. But it's time for the offense now to have better at-bats with runners in scoring position. Do the little things. Shai Davidi is Sportsnet's MLB insider. He will join us in a few minutes as we look ahead to a three-game series between the Red Sox and the Blue Jays starting tonight at Fenway Park. You're listening and watching Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360. Did you see Freddie Freeman's uh, home run yesterday against against the Bravos? I'm I'm so glad you brought that up. Why? Are are you okay with Freddie Freeman going in the Braves clubhouse? No. Why why did that irritate me so bad when I heard that? 
I'm not, listen, I'm not an old, I'm not old school to the point where I, oh my God, I can't believe guys are hugging or guys are talking. Hey, I I understand. Guys, guys play against each other coming up in the minors. They got the same ages. I I have no problem when guys hang around the batting cage and talk, uh, even during official batting practice. I mean, if Marcus Simeon comes out of the, comes out of the Rangers dugout and the Jays are going over there talking. I got no problem with that. I, I have no problem with that. I know it drives some people nuts. I don't care about that. I do not like guys going into other teams' dressing rooms or clubhouses. I just don't. Kevin, I'm, I'm like you. I can't tell you why. Um, you know, and it's not something that I would, I would pitch a fit about. But, yeah, I'm with you. I... You know, you're not with that team anymore. Yeah. I, it's just. We're trying to kick your butt. You're over here hugging us and, and walking through the locker room. And, and I wasn't in the locker room with that. Yeah, I don't know. That, I, that, I don't know. That, if, you're Greg, <clears throat> if you're Greg Olson, I, I, Greg Olson seems like a, a super nice human being. But that, that's got to be a lot of pressure to, to now all of a sudden you're going to L.A. and you see Freddie Freeman coming. Or Matt Olson, you mean. Matt Olson, yeah. sorry. To, to <laughs> see that, it's. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you. I I understand you have to make you have to make exceptions, but but I don't yeah. think there was a little bit of that. You got your extra year. Beat it. Yeah, the clubhouse <laughs> the clubhouse thing is maybe club, yeah, it's okay to do it on the field and do it around batting practice, but you're hey, there's some there's some things that are sacred. You know, the only and time, the clubhouse is one of them. The the only time I would uh I would kind of differ and i'm trying to think of what year it was but the miami marlins then the florida marlins clinched a playoff spot in montreal um against the expos and they had a lot of guys who had played for the expos this is when the marlins you know the, the, uh, david dombrowski went to uh went to florida and they took a lot of they took a lot of expos players expos coaches with them and and I remember it might have been Moise. It might have been Moise. I remember him coming over into the Expos clubhouse after they'd won to see his dad. And a couple other guys came over to the Expos clubhouse. That was a little different though, because they weren't walking through the clubhouse. Congratulations. They were they were coming over to to accept congratulations, but also to kind of say, Hey, I remember that this is where it started. That that was a little different. This, I mean, first game of the year. No. You're you're not a you're not a brave anymore. No, you're not a brave anymore. I'm with Move you. on. I, I'm I'm right there with you. I, Freddie Freeman is a, a tremendous human, but man, like we're we're still trying to kick your butt. Yeah. Like I I don't know why that may I don't no, saw, I don't want to say it made me mad, it, but it and made I, me and scratch I, my head. A little. I thought the same thing when I saw some of the footage. I thought, really? Yeah. You know, going come, over, come going over the dugout or something. Don't come in the yeah. clubhouse. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Shai Davidi is our uh, MLB insider at Sportsnet. The Jays are opening a three-game series against the Boston Red Sox tonight in Boston. It will be Yusei Kikuchi on the mound for the Jays. Nate Uvalde, Nathan Uvalde for the Boston Red Sox. Shai, I was looking at this this run of 20 games. Um, sorry, 16 games against the Red Sox, the Astros, and the Yankees with the return games in Toronto. And I was I was trying to figure out what would be a good a, what would be a good record for the Jays in these games. And I kind of came to the conclusion, Shy, that I don't think I can do that until I see what you say Kikuchi gives me tonight. If he's at all competitive tonight, 
then I think we can maybe look ahead a little bit and have a better idea of how these 16 games could shake out. You know, it's interesting because especially with the the new instability in the rotation with, you know, seeing how Ross Stripling is going to step in for a Hyunjin Ryu and waiting to figure out what the extent of, of the Ryu injury is, you know, the Kikuchi becomes a, a much more significant piece, right? And the Blue Jays need him to give them consistent innings. And, you know, if he looks more like the guy who was beyond the second inning there in New York, where he was far more aggressive and his stuff was, was up a little bit and it was, it was playing a little bit better than, you know, what it was in the first inning when he looked a little bit tentative and uh, there was a lot of hard contact off him, you know, then, then I think he's going to be fine. Uh, but look, I think there's always going to be some in April, you always have to commit just be a little bit cautious of what you see. Mm. And then I think especially this April with the shortened spring training and, you know, the, the lack of communication between players and coaches because of the lockout and things of that nature, you know, you see Kikuchi essentially coming into uh, joining the team, you know, a few days into the camp beyond that. I, I just think you, it's hard to make sort of hard and fast assessments on, on guys right now, because it, it is a little bit over the map. Like this kind of feels like it could be the fifth week of spring training. Um, as much as it's the second week of the regular season. So, you know, I, I know what you mean, but I also feel like and this is a bad time to get this kind of run against such high-quality teams uh, just because things are still a little bit all over the map in terms of where guys are at prepared in preparedness for the season. Shy, anytime you hear that a pitcher has a forearm injury, you sort of step back and you begin to wonder whether or not it's related to potential Tommy John surgery. It's just, it's one of those kind of those old baseball cliches, right? Do you mm-hmm. have any, I, I, I don't know if the, the Jays have indicated anything to you. Is there, is there any worry uh, on the part of this team that Hyunjin Ryu's injury could be a little more long-term than simply a short IL stay? Have you been able to detect that or is, are we just to the point where we just don't know enough right now? You know, the conversations that I've had to this point were still uh, just sort of cautious and waiting for a little bit more information. Uh, you know, the, I don't think the pain that he experienced, at least the way it was described, it didn't, it wasn't sort of this over, overly alarming pain, but it was clear he's not right. And I think, look, there, there are a couple telltale signs that, you know, when a guy isn't feeling right, there's, you know, the drop in velocity, you know, especially on the breaking ball. And, you know, it, you know, he was down over three miles an hour on, on his curveball. And, you know, if you're not feeling right, you're not going to be able to snap, snap, uh, snap your fingers and get that spin right, which would make a little bit of sense there. Uh, and then, you know, especially for a command guy, if he loses his command, well, that's often a sign that something ain't right physically as well. Uh, and, and that's been there for him for an extended period. So, I, you know, the, 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 the conversations I had was, you know, that for first and foremost, they have to let him get right physically. Um, and, and, you know, let's tie this back to the spring training thing again. You know, is this just maybe a bit of dead arm that normally happens during spring training and maybe pushed himself a little bit faster because he didn't have the usual runway? Or, you know, is this potentially uh, something where there's a little bit more damage uh, and they have to have to rest him? You know, the, the conversations I had, they, they still weren't sure on that. Shia, whenever you were talking about you say uh, and, and talking through the things that might 
give him success. I was starting to think to myself when I when I was a player and I was getting bombarded by coaches telling me you need to do this, you need to do that, this ain't going to work, this will work if you do it this way, is is the people that you've talked to or, you know, you may have talked to you say, do you think mentally he's okay or capable of moving on the rubber, trying to change how much you're throwing one pitch, uh, establishing your fastball? Do you think he's capable of that mentally? I certainly do. Uh, but what I would also say is that, you know, because the Blue Jays haven't had a ton of time with them, you know, they're not going to just sort of come in and just be like, hey, do all these things and we're going to change you and we're going to fix you, right? Uh, you know, you've got to build some relationship. You build some trust. And, you know, the Blue Jays have, have you know, Pete Walker and, and the staff there, you know, they, they've got a pretty good track record of, you know, letting a guy come to them and then giving him, uh, giving him information at that point as opposed to sort of this – coming in, you know, guns a blazing, you know, here, here's everything you're doing wrong. This is why, this is how you fix it. So, you know, they're still relatively early in that relationship. You know, uh, you know, Kikuchi's, uh, I think the messaging the Blue Jays is going to give them is going to be pretty different from some of the messaging that he had with the Mariners. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays liked a lot of the things that he did in Japan. Uh, they, you know, I think that some of the suggestions have been, you know, maybe use your slider a bit more about, about some of the ways that you did in Japan. You know, be, you know, use that fastball as aggressively as you did when you were still pitching there. Uh, and, you know, think about the, that, that splitter piece a little bit more as opposed to the cutter. Uh, and, you know, just really that, that might be a bit more of an optimal mix. But I just think there's a, there's a process to that and that, if, if you go too aggressively, then, you know, you can lose a guy uh, as opposed, and, you know, they want him to come to them and for that to be more collaborative as opposed to, you know, just sort of hammering at, at the guy and saying, these are the things you have to do. Early on, how much confidence do you think that John Snyder and Charlie Montoyo has in Rymel Tapia? I, I think they really like the, the tools uh, and, you know, at this point, they're going to have to have a lot of confidence in him <laughs> because they, they need him to play a bunch. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I thought he, when they got him, you know, he was probably a guy you're looking at, you know, three, three, maybe four times a week. Uh, and now they're going to have to expose him a little bit more than that. Uh, but he, he does things that other guys on the team don't do, right? Like high contact, a lot of speed, uh, you know, a guy who can, you know, spray the ball a little bit and, and manipulate the bat. You know, those are things that fit really well, especially if it's in the lower part of the lineup and maybe doing a little bit of table setting and turning up the, the batting order over. Uh, but now because of need, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to ask a little bit more of him than I think they expected to. And, you know, the, there are times where he's been good in the majors and there's times where, you know, he hasn't been as productive. Uh, and and this, is, this is certainly a stretch where, you know, they need him to acclimate to a new league, to new pitchers, uh, and perform pretty quickly. Shy, we had Dan Shulman on yesterday and we talked a little bit about Gabriel Moreno at AAA. And, you know, I think a lot of us sort of assume that there is a scenario where he might join this team later in the year. I don't think any of us necessarily think he's going to join the team any earlier because of Danny Jansen's injury. But I, I mean, I've got to say, Dan kind of held out the possibility that look, when when the, when the rosters get cut down to twenty six and you're forced to carry thirteen, a maximum of thirteen pitchers, uh, there is 
if you kind of look at the lay of the land, there is a way, especially if Danny Jansen's out for you know six to eight weeks, there is a way you may see this team get Gabriel Moreno up here. Do you do you see that, or do you think we we need to kind of put the brakes on that a little bit and um, you know and and Gabriel Moreno joining the Blue Jays is something we might be talking about later in the year. It, it's it's an intriguing possibility because. These are this is a run of tough, tough games. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I, I'll say there are a couple pieces to that. You know, the fact that he didn't get that time in spring training, being able to get to know some of the pitchers because of the visa issues. You know, that's that's significant, right? Because not only is he sort of chasing his own preparedness for the season, but you're asking a, a guy who's still quite young, still really developing behind the plate to sort of learn an entire pitching staff of big league stuff. And, you know, the Jays have some big stuff guys that aren't the necessarily super easy to catch. You know, that, that's a pretty tall ask to, to put on a, on a young developing catcher. Thing is, that bat, you know, like I was just talking to someone about this on Sunday. It was like, you know, bat plays right now. Mm. And it, it's hard because he's such a talented hitter that, you know, when the bat is there and maybe the, the de- defensive development, especially uh, from a catching perspective, which takes more time because it's so demanding, you know, that, that, make, that puts you in a difficult spot because it's so tempting to just say, hey, let's, let's take the offense and let's see where it goes. Um, you know, but the Blue Jays are a team that's built about, uh, around their pitching. We talk a lot about their offense, but they've prioritized a lot of things around their pitching. We've seen them make some moves. Uh, to get to get better defensively, to better leverage that pitching, you know, if you don't have that strong, steady presence behind the plate, that's tough. And you know, from a technical standpoint, like he throws well, he receives well, uh, he blocks well. Uh, but you know, the the person I was speaking to is saying, you know, from a, a game calling standpoint, there's still there's still some work that needs to be done there. And you know, he's missed time because of injury, so he's he's ca- he's making up for some lost time too. You know, I just think given how much the Blue Jays put on their catchers, it's a tough ask to expedite that too quickly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would say that they've got to give him a little bit of time to at least get his feet beneath him at at AAA. Um, You know, remember, he's he's making the jump to to that level too. Right. So after only a handful of games at AA. So, you know, they've got to be fair to him. uh, But, you know, it gets to a point where, you know, it's not working behind the plate. Uh, both offensively and defensively, then I think we can see the Blue Jays starting to tempt them if Mourinho's pulling up his end of the bargain at, at Buffalo. Shy, since they've moved Lourdes up to the cleanup spot, have you noticed anything different with approach, mindset, any of those things? It's actually interesting. I, I talked to him about that over the weekend, and you know, he and he acknowledged he's like it's a big responsibility hitting behind Vlad. And you know, you know, I talked to him the day after uh, the intentional walk to Vladdy. I think it was the seventh or eighth inning on Friday, and mm-hmm. then Guriel followed with that double right away. And you know, and he was saying, you know, I said to him like, do you think that's going to maybe put that into other teams' mind? It's like, yeah, like you can do it, but you know, I'm here to make you pay. He said, look, he's like, everybody knows that we've got the best hitter in the league in Vlad, right? And they're going to do that at times because you don't want to let the best guy beat you. So he's got to, he expects more teams to continue um, intentionally walking him, but he doesn't, he understands that if he comes out of his approach, then he's sort of playing into that. So, you know, he, 
he's hit behind Teoscar Hernandez for a while. And let's remember that, you know, he's had to be a guy to make sure that Teoscar gets pitched to, too. So, you know, I don't think he, he wants to vary his approach. He seems to be in a good mindset. And, you know, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head. I think it's like seven for 14 or something like that. in uh, the, the games that Teoscar has been out. So he's certainly been stepping up right now. And, you know, the, at a time where the Blue Jays really need it. Shai, really good of you to do this today. Thanks so much. Thanks, Shai. Yeah. Anytime, guys. Be well. Shai Davidi, our MLB insider with Sportsnet. Yeah. It's got to be a little lady standing over there. You see him intentionally walk. They're intentionally walking you because they don't think you're as good as the guy in front or of you. Or walking to get you. To get to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a little oh, bit of that. How dare you? It's got to be some of that. Yeah. You know, I, I think, look, I guess, but I've often thought, I've often thought you flip it at, I've often thought that it is more a reflection of the guy in front of you than you. Like, I, I get that guys, you know, there's that that whole head-to-head thing about baseball. And, okay, you would rather face, because what you're saying is we'd rather face you than the dude in front of you. Mm. But when it's a guy like Vladdy, I don't know if guys necessarily, I don't know if guys necessarily get worked up about that. You know, we're walking the best hitter in the world to get to you. And you're going, well, I'd probably he's do a, the same damn thing. He's an athlete at the highest level. He's thinking that. Like, he's thinking, how dare you? I'm going to show you. There has to be some of that. There has to be that competition of, I'm going to show you, manager. How dare you? I know who it is in front of me. I don't care. I'm going to show you, and there's going to be less times you're going to do it because when you do do it, I'm going to go back Lake City. And I, Lourdes is a hard worker. He's made some adjustments mechanically, offensively, which is kind of nice to see. You know, the no more to toe tap. That's eliminated a movement. The less movement you have, the better chance you have of better direction with your hands. Well, especially since it's not they, out and around now. Especially since they've moved him back off the plate. It seems to work hand in glove, right? If you move the guy back off the plate and he doesn't have the toe tap, I mean you're giving him a better chance to get his eye. I would think you're getting him a better chance you're giving him a better chance to get his timing down and get those big arms extended. That too, and, and to lay off some pitches in off the plate, right. which is, you know, harder to... Because you get a better view better, of it when you're back. It is, but you have, better, you have to have better plate awareness because that when they now they start crowding you, you know out of the hand that's a ball. If it starts it somewhere near you at the front hip, you know that's a ball because of where you started at the mm-hmm. plate. <clears throat> but you have to be good at that, and you that's repetition. The more you're up there, the more you see it, the more at-bats you got in spring training, the more at-bats you get early in the season, and now you're getting in favorable counts to where you can zone up and... Have that better finish, that better direction with the barrel. You asked Shai about Rymel Tapia. What have you seen from him so far, and how do you think the Jays will use him? Because I would like to see... I'm not going to say I'd like to see them use him more, but I'm okay seeing a fair amount of him. And I know you're you're kind of smiling because, I mean, there's there's a lot about him you like. There is. There's also a lot that concerns you about him. He's a line drive hitter. I, I want them to play George Springer all the time. I want them to stop giving George Springer days off after DH and two days before that. I, I want that to stop because I don't want him leading off. I, I, yeah. it's, it's a, I, I mean, if, if they have to, whenever if George Springer, knock on wood, was to ever get hurt, then you have to do what you have to do. But George Springer's healthy. You, you need to put your t- eight games in, you're already giving your leadoff hitter, who was one of the best leadoff hitters in baseball, but that's a whole different conversation. I like him at the bottom of the lineup. I like him because he's a line drive hitter. That's why he puts more balls in play. I don't like him facing left-handed pitching. So you got to be real careful mm. when you use him, how much you use him. You know, if he faced a lot of left-handed 
pitching, he might be more he of a trip. Well, he's more of a triple-A player than he is a big leaguer. Let, right. Let's be honest. That's that's just the reality of that. And you have to be real careful and put him in the right positions to take off. But there is some things. You know, you can't – the old saying is you can't steal first. Mm-hmm. That will be the question. You know, his benefit is when he gets on first base, he can score from first. On a, on a, you know, not you don't have to hit a double to score him. You don't have to get multiple hits to score him. That's why they're surrounding athleticism left-handed hitters. Yep. These lefties aren't better than their right-handed hitters, but they're, they're athletic. They're athletic. Yeah. That that I think is the intriguing thing. But you got to be careful. Like you know, the high-performance people got to look at the pitcher right in front of you and go, "Who's not in the lineup? Who's hurt?" I can't be, you know, early in seasons when you're facing bad teams that, you know, the the schedule, the way it looks. Listen to Blair and Barker. We're telling you what the schedule is. And the games that you're supposed to be winning, you should That's be trying to win a little bit more. And yeah, yeah that, I'm not I'm not certain I'm I'm not certain I'm a fan of having giving George Springer a day off me when, when it when it's Barrios, Manoa, or uh or uh, or or Gossman Raise on your night. hand on how many times you saw him play in spring training. Wasn't a ton. He's yeah. had plenty of rest. He gets paid to play. I, I understand they're, they're what they're thinking, and they think by giving him a day off after a night game, which is just the most silly thing in the world, DH him if you have to. I mean, the He's day, more of a threat in the lineup. Listen, the day game after night game thing. What's well, a thing for them? No, but I'm, I'm saying with catchers, it's a thing. I'm with you. I, other than that. Me too. Other than that, you know, unless it's, unless it's a 15-inning night game or something. Like, let, let's be realistic. But day game after a normal night game. Because now you put it in his mind that you, we're trying to massage you through a season. Yeah. I'll now write you, your name in a lineup. I'll tell you what else, too. If you're, be available. I'll tell you, if you do that too often, the guy starting that day is going to go, wait a minute, you're, you've got Springer on the bench and, and I'm starting you today. Notice and, how, you notice how bad his at-bats look DHing, and you notice how bad his at-bats look after a day off. He has been very clear that, he has been very clear that, that he is a better hitter when he is playing. In, in the field and there are guys who are like that they're more engaged in the game it's just we we've seen it we've seen it time and time yeah. again mo vaughn is the red sox analyst on nesson knows a little bit about hitting at fenway park he's a 1995 american league mvp so we know that he's kind of scuffling a bit lately the jays aren't getting many hits with runners in scoring position the offense really isn't in gear could going to fenway park help well mo vaughn's the perfect guy to ask that's why he's coming on. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.